I've got a challenge for you coming out of last week's message. If you weren't here, you don't even have to hear it to hear this challenge. I've got a challenge for you coming out of that message. Um, as we want to make sure that this youth ministry is a safe place for relationships, and when I say a safe place for relationships, I don't mean like a safe place where things can't be said that are offensive. I mean a safe place for relationships to flourish and grow. We want to create a great environment for healthy, healthy relationships. I want you to abandon something. When you walk off those stairs, my hope and my desire is that you would abandon your screen. I, I want you to take this, and my hope and my desire is to be present here. It's my hope for you. One of the things I talked about on our uh, middle school retreat is the dynamic that, that when I was growing up, the time I spent at baseball practice was the only time I talked to my baseball friends. And the time I would talk with my friends that were in band was while I was at band. And the time I would spend talking to my youth ministry friends was when I was in youth ministry. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't try to stay connected all the time. And so one of the things you run the risk of when you walk onto this third floor with a screen in hand, is you run the risk of, number one, missing people you should probably be talking to in front of you, or number two, putting yourself in such a position that people think they don't want, you don't want them talking to you. And so this right here can be a pretty big barrier. Now I say it's actually a very big barrier when it comes to building relationships in this place. And so my challenge for you, if you're willing to accept it, is that when you hit this third floor, third floor landing, when you come up off those stairs, the phone stays in the pocket unless you get some sort of a message from your mom or dad saying, hey, where are you? I can't find you. I bought pizza or something. I don't know, whatever. Okay, so that's, that's the challenge. Now, one of the things that we're going to do to enable that, we will always make sure that passages are on the screen. Always make sure that the Bible that we're, we're covering is on the screen so you don't need a digital version. And then number two, what you're going to see up here over the next couple of weeks after spring break are, are literally 200 Bibles, like paper Bibles. We want to remove any barrier you have from having to be distracted from the people around you or what's going on. Now, I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to yell at you. Okay, I promise I'm not going to yell at you if you have your phone out. I may not talk to you, but I'm not going to. No, I'm just kidding. I will talk to you. I promise I'll talk to you. I'll take it as a sign that you want me to talk to you. And so with that, I, that's a challenge I have for you. Um, so the, the crazy crazy challenge is to sit and actually talk together. So let's go ahead and fast forward. In week two of Better Together, we are switching gears from friendships to family, friendships to family. Now in my family right now, it's me, my wife, we've been married for a little over 10 years, and our four kids. I've got a five-year-old, a three-year-old, a two-year-old, and a 10-month-old. Five, three, two, and 10 months. And so in our household, anytime we want to go somewhere, we can pretty much count on a 25 to 35-minute workload before we get in the vehicle every single time and and the number one reason the number one reason that we have to spend so much time getting ready is because we will give simple 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 instructions to our wonderful beautiful children that we love and god has gifted us with and they will take those simple 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 instructions and turn them into the most elaborate fight that you could ever imagine so my son, this is one of my favorite ones with him. Like, hey, Noah, you got to get your shirt on, man. We're, we're trying to go. Noah, get your shirt on. We're trying to go. I can't find it. I can't find it. Holding it in his left hand. Like, just, I can't find it. You always hide my shirt. You, in your, it's in your hand, bud. It's in your hand. It's like, no, not this one. I'm talking about my Spider-Man one. Okay, no, you're not talking. You're talking about this. You knew it was this one. You just want to argue. 
And the list goes on and on and on and on of all the different things that build up. And so, like, it's crazy. My daughter is like, hey, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. She's like, I want to wear my sandals today. Lydia, it's 37 degrees and raining right now. Like, don't, don't wear those. Like, we, you, like, you, even know, like, the little kids, like, Welly Wishers or whatever. It's like a kid girl book or whatever, and they all wear their rain boots. And so she has her Welly Wisher rain, rain boots that she loves, loves, loves. But when it's 37 degrees and rainy outside, she wants to wear sandals. And so the argument continues. It's tough. It's tough. And I think, like, for all of us, we know that there's tension in our households. It may look different. It may sound different. But we know that in the household, there are just certain things that when it, we start getting geared up for that thing, for us, that's getting in the car to go somewhere. But in your family, it may look a little bit different. There's some tension that's inherently there almost every single time. I know some of you right now, like, you're here tonight not because you love Collide on Wednesday nights, but because you'd rather be here than home. Because you just don't want to go into that right now. And I, I want you to know, like, my hope and my dream for you is that your home would be such a place that you love. It's a restorative, it's a healing, it's an encouraging environment. God's plan for the home is to be an encouraging, uplifting, healthy place. Now, as a teenager, I was not always somebody who brought health to my family. I was not somebody who always strove to bring health to my home. I went off to the Howard Payne University, Stingham Jackets. That's Thank you so much, all two of us that graduated from there. Yeah, um, went off to Howard Payne University. And as I'm tracking through the spring semester, uh, my, my parents reach out to me. I'm at home over one of the weekends, one of the last weekends of the spring semester, getting ready to move back home. And when I get there, I'm talking to my parents and stuff like that, my mom and dad come up to me and they hand me a piece of paper. They say, hey, before you move back home this summer, there's something we need to talk to you about. So, okay, I, yeah, I'm happy to talk about it. Yeah, what's going on? So, well, do you know how we expect you to do chores in this house? Yeah, I, I totally know that. In fact, I remember so vividly in my childhood, I have, so I have a twin sister. Um, I have a sister who's three years older than me, and I have a brother that's eight years younger than me. And so growing up, growing up doing chores was kind of a family affair. And the way it would typically go is that like, if me and my sister were washing dishes, whether it's my twin sister or older sister, it didn't matter, I'd get, I'd get stuck on the rinsing and drying part and putting them away, and she'd be the one washing the dishes. And every single time, we're sitting there three minutes into washing the dishes. She starts handing me dishes that still have food caked all over them. And within a minute from that, I'm throwing them back in the dishwater saying, clean them better, clean them better, clean them better. Well, if you have a brother or sister, you know that if your brother or sister is throwing dishes at you saying, clean them better, clean them better, clean them better, you're not going to respond well. And you also know that if that same person who's throwing them at you receives them thrown back at them, they're not going to be happy. And so here I am, clean them better, clean them better, clean them better. Sister, you do it yourself. You do it yourself. You do it yourself. That's how chores went. And so when my parents, that was, that was middle school and high school. So my parents, as I'm getting ready to come back my first summer from college, say, hey, and you know we expect you to do chores. I'm ready for it. My defenses are up. I'm like, yeah, I know you want me to do chores. I get that. So they set me aside and they said, what you have in your hand right now is a contract. <laughs> you laugh, but get ready. This is a contract. Here's what we expect from you. 
Every single week, you will clean the bathrooms. Every single week, you will vacuum the bedrooms. Every single week. And they had this laundry list of chores. But next to the chores was a number with a little squiggly S and a line through it. You know what that is? The numbers and the dollar sign represented how much they would charge me at the end of the week if they weren't done. And so my mom looked at me and she said, Michael, I want you to know that if you want to live here over the summer, our expectation is that you do these chores. And if they're not done by the end of the week, I will do them for you. But it's going to cost you. So my eyes lit up. And I signed the contract. Handed it to them. Pulled out my checkbook. Wrote a check for the total amount. Signed it. Looked my mom in the eye and said, Mom, if this is not done by the end of the week, I expect my money back. I laugh about that story. And, and certainly there is some humor in it. But I also look back on that story, and I've got some regret. I've, I've got some regret that, that in a moment where I had an opportunity to humble myself for the sake of peace in my family, I chose to be right. I chose to stand my ground and fight. And I chose to treat my mom in a way that I would never want my kids to treat my wife. Treat my mom in a way that, that I can laugh about but can't be proud of. So one of the realities we face is that obedience to a parent is not the end-all, be-all of what God asks of us. There's a little bit more. So we do have a part to play in our family. We're going to be in Ephesians 6 tonight. And I, I, we're, going to, we're going to start fast and go quick. Let me, oh, here we go. Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. I just, I, I want to talk to the people in the room who call themselves Christians. If you call yourself a Christian, then one of the marks of being a Christian is simple, pure obedience to parents. It's not complicated. It's not difficult to understand. It's right there in front of you. If you belong to the Lord, obey your parents. It is the right thing to do. Now, this, this whole concept of obeying your parents is not exclusive to Christianity. It's not exclusive to any one religion. Actually, in fact, the right thing to do aspect of that is like it's just common knowledge that the right thing to do is to obey parents. Like the standard of society that it, it rests on is that there's some natural authority within the home that, that parents have the authority, parents make the decisions, and, and children follow through in obedience. Now, this sounds very simple, but one of the awesome things about Scripture, and I, I love this part about the Bible, is that we don't just hear from one voice or one perspective on it. We're going to jump to a different part of Scripture in Romans, and I want, you to read, I want you to read where the author of Romans puts disobedience in a list. Check this out. It's a, it's a group of people that in Romans have rejected God himself. Romans 1, 29, and 30. These people have rejected God. Their lives have become full of every kind of wickedness. Sin, 
greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They even invent new ways of sinning, and on top of all of that, they disobey their parents. I mean, check this out. Like, like it doesn't even make sense. Like, look at this list. Envy, all, I mean, all that crazy stuff. Murder, they hate God. They're so awful that they even invent new ways of sinning. It's like, hey, hey, has anyone ever, like, punched a baby in the face while taking its candy? No? Nobody's done that yet? It's the first century A.D.? Okay, great. Well, let's do that. Candy hasn't been invented yet? Okay, uh, like, like leg of lamb? Great. Okay, take the baby's leg of lamb, punch him in the face. New way of sinning. Got it. They invent new ways of sinning. And on top of all that, they disobey their parents. Now, the reason I point that out in the book of Romans is because it would have been so foreign to any mindset that disobedience would be acceptable that we just have to sit there and, and wrap our minds around it as, as students, as children, as people that are under authority within the household, that obedience to parents is just, it's just a common expectation. It's not crazy. It's not over the top. And it's definitely not out of line. Now, one of the things that I'll go back to, I said to you, if you are a Christian, this is an expectation of you. I, I want to put this in your mind and let you know this. I, I want you to start thinking 20 years down the road. Your ability and willingness to follow God, your ability and willingness to follow Jesus, is impacted in a great way by your ability and willingness to follow the authority God has placed over you already. In essence, your moms and dads are put in a position to convey God's expectations on you. And so your ability to follow their leadership is a reflection of your ability to follow God's leadership. But it doesn't stop right there. Now in my story, I obeyed to the letter, the contract that my parents gave me. Like I followed it to a T. I paid them exactly what they expected me to pay them if I didn't do the chores. I obeyed. But this was absent. Honor your father and mother. This was the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. Obedience and honor are not new inventions. But obedience and honor are not the same thing. One of the things that we expect our children to do, and it's so funny in our household, like, like, I've got a, like I said, four little kids. Obedience is not complicated. But I can't tell you how many times I have to sit them down and say, hey, Noah, when I ask you to do something, what I want you to do is to do it the first time. I did it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I want you to do it the first time without complaining. <sighs> okay, okay. And I, and I want you to do it the first time without complaining or arguing, okay? And so the one thing I have to like draw my daughter's attention to is I want you to do it with all your effort to, your, to the best of your ability. Obedience means following through, but honor is something completely different. Honor is actually esteeming an individual as if they're worth something. Honor says that when I look my mom in the eye and hand her a check, that I'm not doing that to make her feel less than. 
That's what I was doing. I was trying to put myself in a position of authority, power, and pride and take that away from my mom and dad. And in turn, I wasn't honoring them. Now, one of the things, I just want to kind of put this in your mind. If you're a note taker, if you're a note taker, this may be something that you want to take a note on. So, one of the, I'll give you a list. I'll give you a list. I'll put it that way. If you want to dishonor your parents, if you want to dishonor your parents, here's how you treat them. Number one, that they're not worth your time. If you want to dishonor a parent, treat them as if they are not worth your time. Meaning I can't give a full answer because it's not worth my time. I can't be there with you because it's not worth my time. If you want to dishonor a parent, treat them as if they're not worth your time. If you want to dishonor a parent, treat them as if they're not worth your attention. I would go to school, I would go to practice, I would go to work, I'd go hang out with my girlfriend, and I would come home, I'd say hello, and I'd go to my room. One of my biggest regrets, biggest regrets in life, is the way I allowed myself to posture myself, like the way I allowed myself to approach family life as a teenager. I had a good relationship with my parents in elementary school. And as soon as I got busy, I abandoned that. When you treat a parent as if they're not worth your attention, you dishonor them. And the final thing is if, you're not, if it's not worth your best. Like, you want to dishonor your parents, treat them as if they're not worth your best. It's really funny. If you start dating in high school, one of the things that's, that's just ridiculous is you're going to start spending a lot of money on somebody who you may not even talk to in a couple of months. Okay, just think about that reality. You're, if you start dating in high school, you're probably going to shell out hundreds of dollars for somebody you will not speak to again after a few months. I get it. I was lucky that after six breakups, my girlfriend became my wife. I don't know why she wanted to do that. We started dating sophomore year of high school. I broke up with her on Valentine's Day and every other significant day. What terrible? Yes, I'm a terrible person. Okay, let's move forward. This is not a series about that. Better together, not better apart, though maybe it would have been. Okay, so for her sake, you're going, you're going to give your best. You're going to give your best for someone. You're going to give your best energy, your best effort, even your best money for the sake of people around you. You are capable of giving your best. You don't win state, you don't make honor roll, you don't make money without giving your best to something. But at some point in our lives, we stop going to our parents and giving them the best that we have, and we give our second best efforts on their behalf. And I want to encourage you, if you want to honor your parents, start giving them your best. I keep talking about my kids, this whole thing's about family, and so it really hits home. You know who gives me their best right now? My kids. My daughter, she loves to draw. And she'll spend hours drawing something. You know what she gave me for Valentine's Day this year? It was an absolutely incredible gift. There's a story that I tell her almost every night. It's a story about her. It's, it's like the Hansel and Gretel story, but her and her brother. And so this year on Valentine's Day, she presented me with an illustrated book of that story. I mean, it broke me. I, I sat there, she's like, yeah, Daddy, this is when we go out into the woods, and this is the house, and this is the witch, and all. I mean, like, it just turned page after page after page. That was awesome. 
But there's a point in time where all of a sudden that we start, stop thinking that our parents are worthy of our best. And I'm telling you, healthy families all the way through the end maintain where a child honors their parents by bringing their best. The good news for, for teenagers, the good news for middle school students, the good news for all of us is that the expectation does not rest solely on the shoulders of children. Like for me as a kid, it didn't, wasn't only on me to bring health to our home. It goes on to our dads and our parents. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Most of you aren't fathers in here. Most of you have dads. And my guess is that at least 25% of this room right now is probably angry at a parent. But let me, let me say this. Let me say this. It's not your parents' job to make you angry. But it's also not your job to stay silent when you're frustrated. One of the hardest things that I've had to do in life is learn how to confront those who have hurt me. And my challenge to you tonight when it comes to this issue of anger if you have resentment, if you have anger or frustration with mom or dad, is to be the one that goes first in initiating conversation there. It's hard for mom or dad to look their kid in their eye when they know they've hurt them and start that conversation. And I know it's hard as a 7th grader, 8th grader, whatever it is, to start that conversation with the mom and dad. It's hard on both ends. But for the sake of being better together, my challenge for you on this end to start those conversations. And as we wrap up, parents' instruction, rather bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. We close with this for a very specific reason. Some of you are instructed by your parents in such a way that your immediate response is to reject it. And my challenge for you is to think about this. What if? What if God actually put your parents in your life, put your parents in your life to be the voice of Jesus to you? What if, what if God so ordained that your parents would speak truth into your life that you may, you may not want to hear it, but you need to hear it? And so moms and dads are called to bring their kids up in the instruction that comes from the Lord, meaning that they're going to sound a whole lot like Jesus sometimes. And that's going to be very challenging sometimes. And so if, if dad calls you out on an Instagram post or something like that, and you're like, dad, hey, sorry, I mean, like, come on, leave me alone. Like, just kind of take a step back and say, what if, what if dad's simply trying to be the voice of Jesus in your life, like he's called to be? So two things as we wrap up, two big, big, big challenges that are very, 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 very simple. First one is this. You ready? It's very complex. Obey your parents, right? Okay. And I'm glad there's parents in the room tonight because I'm going to get credit for telling all of you to obey your parents. They're like, yes, finally a message that matters. Okay, yes, obey your parents. Now, here's, here's the, the next one. Think about how you can give your best to your parents this week. Like if, if we're going to be better together in our families, I, I think we need to honor our parents and honor them well. And so think about how you can bring your best to your parents this week. So for me, for me, I'm calling mom and dad and I'm getting a guest room set up, and I'm asking them to come down the first weekend of spring break. Like, I'm going to make that invite. <laughs> Thank you for the reassurance. I've gotten so much encouragement tonight. Thank you so much. Um, so that's, that's what I'm going to do. 
That's what I'm going to do. My encouragement to you is to think about how you can bring your best for your parents. And if you want to go take it a step further, go back to something that maybe you did in elementary school and try it and see what happens if you do it for four days in a row. Say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, and no, sir, and really jack with their head, okay? They won't know what hit them. So I, I, do, want, I do want us to know that God did design families to be healthy. God designed us all to play a part, and I pray that we would do it. Let me pray for us. Father, we are so thankful for the grand design that you have for our world, grand design you have for our families, and, and such that, that as, as kids, as parents, we all have a specific responsibility to play, and all of it, all of it is for your glory. Father, I, I pray that you grant me the humility as a dad to know if I'm angering my children in a way that's ungodly. Father, I pray that you give me the the humility as a kid to continue to honor my parents until the end. Father, I pray for the students in this room. Life can be tough, and I pray that you strengthen their families in a way that would be honoring to you and uplifting to each other. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.